in a world where jobs are how most people make money. One man, one desire, one challenge dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money. Money works for us. Coming soon, viewer discretion advised. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where cash flow is king. Real estate investing, the means, so you can enjoy your retirement dreams. This is the show where we cut right to the chase. No sales pitch, no long monologues, just simple how-to real estate investing advice, so you can earn the passive income you need to enjoy your retirement today. And now, your host and chief old dog, Bill Manassero. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. I'm your host, Bill Manassero, and this is the show where 50 plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid, no sales pitch, real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays. And if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, type in Old Dogs, spelled D-A-W-G-S, find our podcast and subscribe. Well, we have a, a great show for you today. I am so stoked about it. You know, I talk a lot on this show about the importance of education to your success as a real estate investor. And I've also said the real education, though, begins not with the training courses, home study courses, boot camps, books, podcasts, webinars, etc. I mean, they all help. But the real education begins when you sign your first set of escrow papers for your first investment property. Well, we're doing something a little different today because uh, I am going to be bringing somebody who's on the show that's very early in their process, but uh, they certainly have not uh, lacked in terms of experience and things that they have uh, encountered along the way. In fact, I actually met this young man when we lived in Haiti. That's right. He came over there to serve in our mission, and it was awesome. Great, great young man. Years later, we stayed in contact, and I found out this guy got into real estate. So he's a person who has done all the research, but he did that big step, which a lot of people are still having tough difficulty with, and that is the first step to actually acquire that first property. Um, and instead, uh, so he's going to share a lot of this being fresh in his mind, what it's like to finally make that first step and uh, how you set your up, yourself up from that point forward. And so I am talking about it. Now, it's a big, long introduction here. Let me give you some information about him. His name is Ian Gilligan. That's right. And he is a 33-year-old investor living in Waco, Texas. Now, he didn't always live in Waco, but uh, when I first met him, he actually was working in the entertainment industry. He has a background there and uh, lived in Hollywood area. His interest in real estate investing peaked after listening to an episode of this podcast. I am, I am humbled here uh, back in 2018. 
And a year later, he purchased his first single-family home in Dayton, Ohio. So here he is in Hollywood area. He buys in Dayton, and now he's living in Waco. What's going on? Well, we'll find out here in just a moment. Uh, recently, he stepped down from his full-time job in entertainment marketing, and he purchased three more homes in Dayton in the last three weeks. Uh, now he's finishing up a flip in Waco and is taking steps toward actively wholesaling in McLean, uh, McLennan uh, <laughs> County, Texas. Well, I am going to welcome Ian to the Old Dogs REI Network. How you doing, Ian? Oh, I'm great, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. It's excellent being here. Uh, it's great having you here. And uh, man, y you have just been on this thing and it's it's real exciting to see uh, i mean there's a lot of a lot of stuff to unpack here because obviously we want to know how you went from hollywood to waco and on your journey obviously in real estate investing so yeah you know just uh, tell us a little bit a little bit more about yourself and where you came from and how you eventually got into this uh, crazy real estate world Sure, sure. So born and raised in San Diego, California, um, grew up doing theater and, and the like. That's how I initially got into entertainment, performing, um, moved up to Los Angeles when I was 19, just a year out of high school, um, started auditioning up there and doing all that. Acted for a handful of years um, and then got out after I discovered it really wasn't my passion. I didn't really love the craft of acting. So I figured if I didn't love the craft, I should probably not be in that industry trying to you know, perform and execute that craft. Um, and uh, got into advertising um, and have been in advertising ever since then. Um, and then, uh, as you mentioned, the my uh, initial uh, spark into uh, – or what piqued my interest in real estate investing was listening to your show. And I don't even know, Bill, if we've really discussed this, you and I ever, but um, I was, I first listened to the show, not even because I was particularly interested in real estate investing, but because I knew you produced and hosted this show. And I'm like, well, I mean, if a friend of mine is putting all this effort into this, uh, this show, I might as well at least support him by listening to an episode. So I remember scrolling down the, the list of your, of your shows and I saw, the episode where you had Robert Kiyosaki on. Um, and I, I had not even read Rich Dad at the time, but I knew him by name. So I was like, oh, wow, he's got uh, Robert Kiyosaki on. Must be, must be legit. So I, um, I ended up listening to that episode. And, and after listening to that one and listening to a handful more of your shows, and uh, it didn't take me long really to um, be sold on real estate as an investment and just how, how smart a move it was financially. So... Um, that was in 2018, as you mentioned, and then just kind of stayed in the education phase for, I don't know, six months-ish or so. Chose Dayton as a market with you. I don't know if you remember that, but we had a discussion about that and um, kind of landed on Dayton and and then ended up buying my first. It would have been fall 2019. That's so awesome. You are not a kind of a, an impulsive person, I could say. I, I, you know, just no. from knowing you, I mean, you are you're very cautious. Um, I know you are a saver. You, you know, you're very, um, you know, you're very smart with your money. You're not the kind of guy that's, yeah, I'll try try this. You know, you no. you really thought it out. I mean, it is as you would even you know contact me and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. But you run ideas by and so forth so i i you, you know you're not somebody to jump jump into something uh, especially you know when it involves an investment and i so it you had to be pretty 
sure that uh, this was where, where you know what you wanted to do. Yeah, very much so. And and I mean, I I was not educated when it comes to investments at all. Really, before I listened to your show, I mean, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who's pretty savvy entrepreneur. Uh, it would have been maybe a year or so before I got introduced to to you and your show. Um, and he was, he was talking to me about, uh, leverage. He was like, Oh yeah, I mean, you can use leverage in business. And I was like, Oh yeah, totally leverage. Like I, I legit <laughs> didn't know what he meant. I didn't know what he meant. So I, I was, I mean, I had kind of the personal finance game dialed in. I mean, I was budgeting and, and just, you know, aware of where all my money was going and not going. But as far as investing and I was just absolutely, I didn't, I was clueless before I, I listened to your show. And so, yeah, it was a very measured, um, cautious kind of uh, initial foray into real estate. Yeah, and I remember Dayton. In fact, Dayton was a place that uh, I really was impressed with early on when I started mm-hmm. investing. And I said, you know, because I was learning about emerging markets, and and it it seemed like it was when it, you know some definitely sort of the bottom of the bell curve. You know, yeah, it <laughs> can't go much lower here. You know. Exactly. But yeah, that's what attracted me to it because I was looking at apartments and you could get some yeah. great deals there in apartments at that time. And I was just going, this is, and then I looked at what was happening around Dayton. Um, mm-hmm. And and I remember you, you totally went for it and did your own research. You didn't just, yep. you know, take my word for it, but you went in there and dug and um and it seemed like it has been working well for you because now you've got a number of properties there already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe you can tell, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, just some, some comments real quick on Dana as a market. I mean, you mentioned that it's that at the time it was kind of at the bottom of the bell curve and in a way it still is a little bit, I mean, um, values have certainly gone up, uh, quite a bit over the last couple of years, but, um, that's one of the reasons why I'm still interested in, and obviously investing there because I feel like it's just a good place to get in while values are still, um, lowish. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean the last, last handful of weeks, um, just really started to kind of ramp up there. And, um, one of the reasons why I feel like I could start to ramp up and move as quickly as I have is because, um, of the couple of properties that I've bought over the last couple of years. So I was already familiar enough with the market. I already had a team in place between, um, my property management company, my agent, um, and my contractor who's done just um, a great job for me on the two properties that I purchased over the last couple of years and then is handling, um, all three of the current rehabs actually. So, um, yeah, all, all the pieces were just kind of in place to, to begin to, to move at a bit of a quicker clip. Now, uh, what was interesting is, you know, you were, okay, here you are, I think, you you know, in the Hollywood area, Burbank and yeah. so forth. And, and, uh, you know, very talented, you didn't really talk about that, but very talented editor, right. And producer, uh, uh doing a, a, a lot of, a lot of film, you know, sort of the, the, behind the scenes, you know, pre and post production type stuff. Mm-hmm. And when COVID hit, right, that was sort of an opportunity for you like, because you were working remote already exactly, um, yeah. to, to make a move, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, I just remember sitting at my house in the middle of summer 2020. So we're a few months into the pandemic and I'd already bought my first two in Dayton at the time. And I was like, man, I, so long as I'm working remotely, I should just... I should buy something out of state, um, get some roommates to pay down my mortgage for me. I'd always wanted a house hack, but never could in Los Angeles just because it's, you know, so incredibly expensive. Um, 
And I was like, well, I guess now is as good a time to do it as any and ran it past the company and, and they were okay with it. So long as I, um, you know, was going to come back at the end of my stay that ended up changing and get to that later. But, um, and yeah, why Waco? Um, I've just, I have some really good friends out here. There was a, a church in town actually that I was pretty keen on being a part of. So when I had the whole crazy idea to, um, to buy something out of state and the house hack, uh, Waco was the first place that I thought of because of my connections here. So, um, and it ended up just being a, a terrific move and I'm so grateful to be here. I love Waco. It was quite, uh, quite the welcome change after 12 years of, of, uh, city life in LA. So, um, very grateful to be here in Waco and, and, um, yeah, so that's how I, that's how I wound up in Central Texas after uh, 30 years in Southern California. Wow. And, and you, um, I mean, Waco, I, I don't know how it is doing as a market. I, I've kind of heard good things about it. And um, have you witnessed that yourself in terms are you I mean, are you still looking in that area as far as investments are concerned, too? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's I mean, Waco has just spiked in um, in their prices over the last handful of years. If you look at a graph of the last 10 years, like when 2018 hits, there's just this tremendous spike in prices it went way, way up. Um, and I think there's a handful of reasons for that. One is certainly Chip and Joanna Gaines and um, just kind of the visibility that they brought to Waco. Baylor is also responsible for for Waco starting to turn around and um, and do a lot better as a market. They've pumped a lot of money into the city over the last handful of years. So um, it's certainly got a lot of things going for it. I mean, it's right in between Austin and Dallas, which are just, you know, I think both in the top 10 of the fastest growing cities in the nation, if I uh, remember correctly. And um, and so it's, it's just, and there's a handful of other reasons as to why it's doing really well for itself. But, um, yeah, as a market, it's, it's pretty strong and yeah, I mean, we'll see. I I'd like to buy a little bit more here. As you mentioned, I've got the flip going here, um, that we're almost done with and, um, and yeah, I'm planning to buy more here in, in Waco. McLennan County can be a little tough, uh, as far as, um, inspections and, um, and all of that permitting, like it's it's just a little 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 rough on that side of things. So I'm I'm a touch hesitant on like how much do I want to buy here, um, but uh, but I I will continue to buy here in Waco. Just unsure exactly how much and and for how long. Sure, and so you start off as kind of a you know a, a rental guy, right? So mm-hmm. yep. uh, okay, that now you, you you're getting into these other areas, which is really interesting and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tell me about your sort of moving into a flip, uh, you know, as uh, you're doing your, fr- now you're still, you still have our house hacking, right? So your, your home is technically an investment, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. normally we, when we just buy a home, it's, you know, according to Robert uh, Kiyosaki, it's not, it's not an investment and until yeah. you rent it out and which is what you're doing, which is cool. So, but, but you, um, what made you want to, want to get in flipping? Well, the flip, I should have been more cautious with my words there. I mean, it, it, we are going to hold it as a long-term rental. Um, I was just using that terminology because it was just a total gut. Um, it needed every – we, we joke, my partner and I, who um, – my friend who I partnered with on this house, we joke that we essentially built an entire new house from the ground up because that's more or less once we've done. I mean, just literally every single system of the house we had to touch. So, um, so it's, it's, we're not going to sell it. We are going to hold it. The rental market here in Waco is very, very strong. So we're, we're not concerned about, um, being able to get someone in there and get a solid, solid, uh, a renter, but, um, yeah, not, not flipping, um, to sell, but definitely flipping to, to hold long-term. 
Gotcha, gotcha. You uh, mentioned too that you're you're just sort of looking at uh, wholesaling. You want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that? Yeah, I well, it was I. I initially kind of started down this path because I was I was I remember it probably would have been the end of last year. I was trying to buy something at auction here in Waco, um, and one of the handful of properties that I was going after it didn't show up at auction, which sometimes can happen for a myriad of reasons, but it didn't show up at auction. And then a handful of days later, uh, a friend of mine texted me a screenshot of. Uh, property that he had just seen pop up on our local Facebook page for investors here in town. And it was the exact same property that I had wanted the most from the auction a handful of days ago. Long story short, some wholesaler had got it. Um, It didn't work out for me to buy it off of them. But my guess is just knowing how much was owed on the property, how much they probably got it under contract for, and around how much they ended up selling it for, they probably these wholesalers probably made like thirty thousand on an assignment fee for this house. Um, and I mean, that kind of did a couple of things for me. One, it made me want to find my own off-market leads. Um, not even that I can't necessarily stomach a wholesaler making a big fee. I mean, if they can make their big fee and I can make my money, then great. But um, it made me want to find my own off-market leads, one. And then two, I was like, man, if if these guys can do it and if they can hustle and make these assignment fees, I can do the same thing too. And I can keep the best for myself to hold as, as rentals. And then I can wholesale the rest of them. Um, so that was kind of, that was how that was birthed. That's how I got to the, on the wholesaling uh, train. Very cool. And are you thinking of going direct to seller at this point, um, and your wholesaling efforts, uh, you know, getting lists and, and, you know, contacting people that, uh, um, you know, that, that uh, are in a situation where they need to get rid of the house and so forth. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's, that's been the, that's been the grind over the last couple of months, honestly, and just, um, hitting up the pre foreclosure list, going, getting the uh, probate list from the County clerk's office, spent a lot of time at the County clerk's office in the last couple of months, but, um, and just, and something I'm finding even at the very, very outset of doing this is, is that if you can be the first point of contact for these sellers, um, because as soon as this information becomes public, whether it's, you know, the pre-foreclosure list when it gets posted on the county's website, you know, as soon as that information is is public and online, you know, ev- all of these wholesalers start hitting these these sellers up just, you know, like one after the other after the other. So if you can find a way to kind of get in with them first, you know, as soon as this information is available, I'm finding that's just it's a really good way to be, I mean, the first person that they go to and potentially sell to, if you can kind of get to them first. So, um, long answer to, to your question, but yeah, I'm definitely going direct to seller and just trying to think about the most creative, efficient ways to do so. That's great. That's great. Now, uh, taking a step back a little, and I wanted to zero in on this area, especially mm-hmm. is, um, okay. You, you know, started listening to podcasts, started getting, you know, kind of intrigued about, uh, uh, about real estate investing, but what really, I mean, think, you know, think back, you know, what kind of held you back in the beginning, uh, from actually you know, taking that step. And I know that, you know, you were going through a lot of things and trying to figure out, you know, what, what was going to make sense, but, um, can you, can you kind of bring us back to that and how you finally took the, the leap? Yeah, I, 
I remember, I think I've already mentioned that there was a, the, an initial kind of education phase that lasted about, I don't know, I think maybe six months or so before I really started taking any action to like get a team set up in Dayton and actually go and visit, like started taking the actual actions to, um, to buy my first property. I remember hitting like the three month period in that, you know, quote unquote education phase and feeling like, I remember the thought being, I've done as much education as is going to be helpful for me now. And I know that in order for me to actually, you know, continue to move the needle, I'm going to have to start taking like real action. Um, and that was about the three month point. And there was another kind of like three months or so where I kind of like dilly dallied and was like, well, I need to know more. I need to learn more. I need to read this other book. I need to, you know, read this other blog post, listen to this other podcast, whatever. Um, but I definitely remember having the realization of there is there is a a level of um, of education that you are not going to get, um, or the only way you're going to get that level of education is by actually being able to do. And for me, that was about three months into my education phase. I was like, I I've gleaned as much as I possibly can from just reading books and listening to podcasts. Um, and so it was, you know, it took me it took me a, a little while longer to actually you know, leave, quote, not, not that we ever stop learning, but leave the solely education phase, if you will. Um, but, uh, but I did. And, and I mean, I you even already mentioned this in the intro is that, you know, there's only so much you can glean from, from reading and listening. Um, and the rest of it, <laughs> the rest of the learning comes by doing and by, uh, at times learning very hard, <laughs> hard, painful lessons. So. <laughs> now you, you, uh, met a, a broker that, uh, I think you, I could be off, but you referred to me, right. That he was, I was the insurance and also, um, real estate or am I way off? I might be. Um, I kicked a couple guys over to you recently. Were you talking about my friend Ryan and Dayton? I, I think so. I, yeah. Yeah. And he I emailed you, you and his, his brother will, um, just cause I wanted you guys to connect. And then I also connected you with my friend Paul down in Austin. Okay. He, he's yeah. the developer. Is that who uh, you're thinking of? Uh, no, you know, I, I, I might have him confused with somebody else though, that, but I know there was like one key broker that you connected with that just really was, was helpful and helped you learn, you know, the, the good parts and the bad parts of town and the, you know, the difference and, and so forth that I, I just remember you, you sharing that with me, but, uh, um, yeah, that's probably my friend, friend, Ryan, Ryan Ingram, shout out, Ryan, what's up? Um, <laughs> yeah. He's in Dayton and doing very well for himself and he's a great guy and, and a mentor. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I think th th that's important. You know, we, we talk about that too, is the importance of putting that team together and, and yeah. having yeah. A, a good, reliable team that you can count on uh, early on and, uh, you know, and then to build from there. And it sounds like you've been doing that. Yeah. I mean, I, and especially for someone like me, surrounding myself with, people that know more than I do and are farther along in this business has uh, been critical to, you know, any level of success that you could say I've had. I mean, especially because I personally have, you know, zero building experience, none. Like I'm terrible with my hands. I hate swinging a hammer. Like it's not my lane now and it's never going to be like, that's just, and so, you know, surrounding myself with people who 
you know, that is their lane, that is their skill set, and not just the builders, but the lenders and the property management team and, and and the investors and the people that are doing what I want to do, but have been doing it for years and years and years. I mean, um, it's that those those connections and those relationships, their value can't be quantified. You know, it's just it's it's just so invaluable being being around those those folks that are beyond you. That's great. Great, great advice. Well, you, you know, getting started, uh, we all, uh, like you mentioned, uh, we, we, we learn once we, uh, once we get started. And mm-hmm. um, what would you say would, uh, you know, as one of the sort of the, the bigger mistakes you made in the beginning that you learned from? Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about the answer to this question and, and thankfully I don't, I, gosh, I've made more mistakes than I could possibly count or remember, but, um, there hasn't been a like business ending sized mistake yet, knock on wood. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's just been, there have been a thousand little ones, but one, one of the, to answer the question, probably one of the, the biggest mistakes, one of the things that I wish that I had done differently was, um, done a little bit more prep work and set up for making my investing a business, um, as opposed to just kind of a one man wild, wild west show. You know, um, I, I wish that I had had the conversations with my CPA and my attorney and had started to implement the things, the, the systems that you glean from them, um, and from their expertise, I wish I had had those conversations and started to implement those things earlier than I did, because as I started to kind of ramp up over the last uh, handful of months and, and really get moving, um, the fact that I hadn't had those conversations and hadn't done that setup um, kind of came around to, to bite me a little bit, and I've I've been paying for that, um, paying for that a little over the last uh, couple of months. So I would say my my biggest mistake would not be doing the proper setup to make uh, my investing run uh, run like a business. Excellent. Now. Um... You initially went out there to, um, you know, get a rental property and then go back to once your work, you know, was was no longer remote. Uh, but uh, tell us about that decision. Obviously, you didn't. And uh, how did that how did that come about? The sort of the genesis of that. Yeah, I, that was a bit more of a um, of a personal decision, really, than like a business one. I I just I found myself loving life here in Waco. Um, not particularly wanting to go back to Los Angeles as the pandemic was still ongoing. And um, so just between the connections that I was making here, the friends that I had here in Waco, um, and and the opportunity here. I mean, there's more opportunity to buy to buy uh, long-term buy and hold rentals and cash flow in Waco than there is in Los Angeles. So, I mean, there, there certainly was that kind of, um, that business factor there, but, um, you know, those things combined, not particularly wanting to, to go back to Los Angeles was impetus for me to, to stay here. Just more quality of life issues. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, what, what, uh, did you do? Um, you know, maybe when you started out too, ended up being something that, uh, you know, more of a a success, uh, something that you really looked at that, uh, yeah, I'm glad I did that, (laughs) you know, in in the early stages. Yeah. Um, I kind of to borrow from my answer earlier, I I would say, and this is a more high level thing I realized, but, um, just the surrounding yourself, surrounding myself with folks that are just far beyond me. I mean, that's just paid dividend after dividend after dividend. Um, I, 
I'm very glad that my first deal, I it was a burr um, that I kind of that I did that I ran it and actually ran it as a burr deal on my first deal. Um, so, cause it just, as you, as you do that burr process, I mean, there's so like you hit all, all the notes, right? I mean, you buy, you've got a rehab, it. you can't just stick a, re- a renter in there. Like it needs work. So, you know, you, you buy it, you fix it, you go through the refinance process. So, I mean, you're just hitting all of these, um, these points of, of, of buying real estate that you're going to have to, that you're going to be doing for as long as you're in this business, you know? So, um, I'm just very glad that, that my first deal was a burr just because of all that I, I learned on that first one. And, you know, thankfully it worked out by and large without any major hiccups. And I was able to, you know, pull a decent amount of cash out of it and have a cash flowing property on my first one. So, you know, you hear horror stories of the first deal going terribly awry. Thank goodness that wasn't my experience. And, uh, I was able to get out with a, a good, cash flowing property and a lot of valuable experience. That's excellent. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a, it's a great strategy. Great strategy. Um, what, uh, you know, a lot of our folks who are listening, um, we've, we've got all ages as you can testify to, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you can testify mm-hmm. to, you know, for those that are approaching retirement or, and, uh, or already in retirement, um, what, what advice would you have based on, on your experience uh, in investing that there might be something that might uh, interest that group? Sure. Yeah, I think that a good question to maybe ask anyone um, in uh, their retirement age that want to want to get started in this would be like, well, what's your pain threshold? Like, what, how, how involved do you want to be in something like this? Because it's 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 not terribly complex, as we hear people say, but it is a lot of hard work. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think they would have to answer that question first. Like how involved do I want to be? How much effort do I want to put into something like this? And kind of once they figure that out, then you could maybe answer, or you, you could maybe find someone to partner with. Like, let's say, um, after you think about how much kind of effort they want to put in something, they're sort of like, well, I don't know if I want to learn an entire new industry and skill set at 65 or whatever. I mean, if that's the case, then you could leverage someone like me. Um, I'm actually partnering with uh, my parents on the properties that we buy in Dayton, um, and you know they're they're not particularly keen on learning an entire new industry, entire new skill set when they're nearing retirement age. Um, but they're down to provide some capital and you know give me a little support when I need it. Um, but, you know, so I'm, you know, I, I would suggest, can you, can you find someone, um, that you can leverage someone who is, you know, rip roaring and ready to go and, and could you fund them? Could you, you know, is that, is that a route you could possibly take? So that's what I would, I would flip that to them. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a, you know, an area we probably don't cover as much here, but uh, private money lenders uh, and hard money lenders sure. are in huge demand and they, and they get a great return on their money. And, um, and that, that to me is, is a, a much overlooked area. And, uh, and I think that, folks that uh, that you know can take that route um it is very passive and um and you have this incredible asset that backs up the loan so it's not like you know if, if somebody 
messes up, you've got a property that you can sell and, you know, for cash. And so, you know, it's, it's a pretty solid investment and it's not like, you know, buying a stock or something like that index fund or whatever it may be that, that if it goes down, well, it goes down and that's it. You know, if, if uh, yeah. things don't work out here, you've at least got that asset to fall back on. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a, that's a good, uh, a good route too, for people that maybe don't want to, you know, get roll up their sleeves there and uh, totally. take those calls. Uh, you know, for the plumbing in the middle of the night and that kind of stuff. That yeah. um, that uh, you know that uh, maybe just want to get a good return on their on their yeah. dollars. I so. mean, if if they can find a trusted operator and they've got some self directed IRA funds lying around, I mean, that's that's a very um, very great route. I would say. Excellent. Well, um, you have you know really just kind of start off here. You are now uh, a independent you know you're you've got your your own uh, supported by your business and um you also got some you know reduce some expenses there which are very smart too by uh house hacking um i'm sure you're building up all kinds of equity too because you're in some mm -hmm. good good markets um what what's sort of your your long-term goal here uh looking ahead um at for your business uh, where do you where would you like to see that in 10 20 years down the road yeah. Um, I mentioned my parents earlier and, and a big part of my investing with them is I just want to make sure that they are set for retirement. Um, so I want to continue, um, working hard and just being able to, um, work up the portfolio that can provide them everything that they would ever need or want once they retire. So that's a huge part of it for me. As far as the long-term vision, I mean, that's something I'm still really trying to work out. I mean, the financial freedom piece and all that, I mean, that's great. And I certainly want that as much as everyone else, but, um, where it all is exactly going to go, I don't really know. I mean, I, I would say my most immediate goal would be to have my portfolio be able to sustain itself. You know, if, for instance, if one of the properties six months from now, you know, were to take a, a $10,000 hit because of a terrible rehab that I had to give because the tenants trashed it when, um, when they moved out, I mean, that would be pretty tough right now. But, you know, if I've got 10 or 20, units, I mean, that's, it's, that's going to soften the blow a little bit. So that's what I mean when I say I, I want to build the portfolio to where it can sustain itself. So I would say that's the most immediate goal. And then after that, um, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I'm kicking around, maybe getting into syndicating some deals in the upcoming years after I just kind of earn my uh, stripes a little bit more. And, um, and more than anything in the immediate, I really just want to be a trusted operator for my investors. Right. Because I mean, I've got I've got loans out from from private money lenders and I want to be able to I want to um, I want to be someone they can trust. I want to be someone that they um, know that I can give Ian my capital and it's going to be in good hands. So um, in the immediate, that's that's really huge for me is just gaining the gaining the skills to be a trusted, reliable operator. That's ex excellent, excellent goal um, yeah. too, and and uh, tr trying to help your parents out. That's 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 very awesome. So uh, that's neat. That's very neat. In this process, it seems like you know one that you've 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 definitely learned a lot, and and are learning and continuing to learn. Um, and especially mm -hmm. as, as you start getting into wholesaling, um, you know, a whole a whole different world there. But a great way to generate capital. Are you sort of 
one of your goals, you know, trying to pay down your properties? You're going to continue to hold on to them for leverage. Uh, what's what are your thoughts there? In uh, you know, some people just say, "Boom, I just want to have them all free and clear, so I don't have to worry about the mortgage and so forth." No, I don't think I'm going to pay them down. I mean, I, I would like to, especially where, given where the market is going or i mean where we don't like we don't know what is going to happen and given the state of the world with wars and pandemics and you know so i i would like to have as much good fixed rate debt as possible um to be a hedge against inflation um you know if i i would love to have my biggest expenses on these property be fixed for the next 30 years um and i mean so long as i'm buying right and I'm cash flowing, then that's, that would, that's my, that's my goal for, for the, um, the rentals, um, is, is, uh, is to just get that good long-term debt. Yeah. And, and Hey, it's great for, <laughs> great for your taxes. It's, uh, yeah, exactly. yeah it's, it's, it's all kinds of nice benefits there. So that's, yeah. that's smart. Well, we have come to what we call our wrap it up section here, and uh, we ask you a series of quick questions. You share resources that have been of value to you. And if you are ready, we can go ahead and, and wrap it up. The fabled wrap it up section. I am ready. <laughs> here we go. Favorite real estate book? That is probably going to be David Green's long distance book. I mean, it's just, it's got just about everything you need, especially if you're starting out. Like, it just covers all the bases. And if you want to do it long distance, like, you know, I've been doing it. It's, it was pretty invaluable to me. I love that book. Yeah. He's got a great approach to it. Plus, he has this incredible network of yeah. people, you yeah, know. Yeah. That, That's helpful for him. Yeah. Really, really great if you can tap into that. That's awesome. How about uh, favorite just general business book? That would be the Twelve Week Year by Brian P. Moran and Michael Lennington. Have you read that, Bill? No, I haven't. In a nutshell, it essentially it encourages its readers to kick annualized thinking out the door for your goal setting and operate off of a twelve week year instead of your regular calendar year. Because how many times have we set a goal in January? And March rolls around, we're like, oh, you know, I got time. And then, you know, June rolls around, we're like, I still got time. And then all of a sudden it's November and we haven't done a thing to accomplish what we wanted to in January. Um, and part of their thesis is, and there's a lot of great thinking and psychology that goes into this, but is that you can't waste any time on a 12-week year. You know, like you, you cannot afford to waste a week, not even a day, if you've got... 12 weeks to accomplish your goals. So there's a lot more that um, goes into it that's been hugely helpful for me. But man, that that book was like rocket fuel for me. That's a great, great recommendation. Yeah, I got to check that out. Excellent. Uh, how about a favorite uh, website for success? Bigger Pockets. Yeah, there. I'll, I'll join the chorus. I mean, there's it's that's it is what it is. It's pretty pretty great. That's great. A great great yeah. resource. How about favorite app? That would be Things by Cultured Code. It's a uh, task management app, and I would be dead in the water without it. Oh, it's called Things. T h i n g s. T h i n g s. Yep. I like things. it. I haven't yeah. heard of that. So I gotta check it out. Favorite quote. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ said that. I love that. I love it. Wow. Well, here is our final question. You're kind of too mm -hmm. young to have experienced this, but nonetheless, okay, if you lost everything, all your assets, <laughs> okay, and you had to start all over knowing what you already know, 
and you only have $1,000, what would you do to relaunch your real estate investing business? Well, tell you what, I'll take that question. I'll make it even more difficult. And I'll say, what if I lost everything and even had to move to a market where I didn't know a soul? I would buy a computer and then I would go to the first uh, real estate meetup that I could possibly find. I would buy everyone around appetizers and uh, just start networking <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and making relationships. I mean, th look, this, you know, our success or failure is so much, you know, rides or falls so much on who we know. And so I would just start, you know, making those connect connections and relationships right away. I love it. I love it. That's a great idea. First time I've ever heard that one, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there's folks that are listening, and there may be even people listening in Waco or maybe Dayton or who knows where that um, might be interested in meeting you or finding out more about you and what you do. Um, how can people do that? How can people uh, get in contact with you? You know, I'm a bit of an online ghost. I don't have much of a presence online. That might be changing at some point soon. But um, really, kind of come to Waco if you want to get in. <laughs> just you know, visit Central Texas. We can hang out at uh, Magnolia. Visit Chip and Joanna Gaines. No, yeah, I, I don't really have much of a presence online. Um, but uh, I'll uh, I'll shoot you an email address, Bill, that you can maybe put in the show notes if anyone wants to get in touch. Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll definitely. Uh get a hold of your, your email address and uh, make that available. Awesome. Well, we come to the closing and uh, I guess you know what's next, right? I do. I do, yes. <laughs> and, you know, you're out in you know, hound dog country out there, right? I mean, Waco's got to have its share of hound dogs, right? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I mean, when you were in Burbank and uh, L.A., you know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. I guess there's a few. Uh, the whole, we had a whole slew of chihuahuas, but I can't say any. <laughs> they don't know how to howl. No, okay. no, no. <laughs> I've got one. I know. <laughs> yeah. So if you're ready, you can close us out with your best old hound dog howl. Arf. Just kidding. <laughs> oh! Oh, that was a good one. That was good. It scared the heck out of my dog. <laughs> yeah, sure did. Sorry, dude. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on, Ian. I think it's great. You know, we always have these people on that have been been around forever doing it. It's so yeah. neat to talk to somebody that's still fresh, has got all the excitement, and 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 they're still yeah. doing stuff and you know looking at things and um, learning. And so it's it's been a real help. I'm sure a lot of our listeners appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It was just a ton of fun. And thanks a lot for having me on. And uh, we'll talk soon. You bet. And I also want to thank all our old dog listeners out there for joining us. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing right now, but the fact that you've taken the time to join us means a lot. And we really appreciate it. Please note everything that Ian talked about today can will be outlined in detail in our show notes at olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog. And you're going to look for the episode with Ian Gilligan. Well, that's the show for today. Remember, cash flow is king and real estate investing the means. Until next time, keep moving forward and may God bless. Thank you very much for visiting the Old Dogs REI Network. We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.